Good morning. Wow, the second service broke in the applause, stood up, cheered, people danced and sang, did an Irish jig, and you guys are just looking at me as if I'm weird. Good morning. Good morning. We, no, please, it's too much. It's, but I will accept it. Keep it going. Come on, please. Oh, no, it's, no, seriously, honestly. My mother would be so proud if she was still alive. Thank you so much. By the way, let's say hi to the West Campus. West Campus, hi. Let's say hello to them. Hi, guys. Pastor Danny, wake up. There's something wrong with that guy. My name's Michael McNamee, and I've got to apologize to you. I'm Irish. We're considered to be weird, but actually we're magically delicious. Isn't that right? Don't feel you have to laugh. I'm enjoying myself. This is my third service. I'm leaving off to go back to Europe. But what an honor and what a privilege to be in Life Church, Germantown, Wisconsin, where people walk around with cheese on their head. This is one of the most incredible experiences of my life. To be in a place where the Green Bay Packers have lost three games in a row and you still believe you're going to beat the Minnesota Vikings today. That is the most. I mean, I have never seen so much faith outside the church in all my life. So, my friends, we are here. Your, your face is hurting, isn't it? Get your wisdom teeth put out. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. God bless you. Be healed in the name of Jesus. And let's move back to the service. Just leave me alone. I, I'm just talking to one of my friends here. But here we are. This church, Germantown, Wisconsin, has decided that no matter what the world says, they believe that America is chosen for this hour to win this world of Jesus Christ. Missions is not crossing the seas. But missions are seeing the cross. And when you see the cross, you can never, ever, ever, ever be the same again. And this church has reached out and touched the world that is lost. And the reason we're here this morning is because we believe we can influence this world. I believe that America is the greatest country in the world. America is not great because of its millimeter power. America is great because this nation has been established on the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some amongst us who are trying to rob you of that freedom. They're trying to make America something that God never intended to be. They're trying to make our kids hear things that they shouldn't hear. But we're here this morning to say no to them and yes to Jesus. For we believe when America gets too big... For we believe when America gets too big for God, America will fall. But as a non-American... Through the mist and through the storm, the star-spangled banner still flies as a testimony to people like me that America still occurs. And on behalf of all the non-Americans who love you, I want to say, God bless you. God bless America this morning. And we're here to change our world. In the 1945, America was coming to the end of the Second World War. Japan was about to surrender, but the American and the Allies decided to do something. They decided to drop an atomic bomb on a city in Japan. They chose the city of Kyoto, which has now become a famous city, the Kyoto. But you know what? The Secretary of State, Henry Stimson, had been in Kyoto for his honeymoon. And he and his wife loved the city of Kyoto. They loved the culture. They loved the music. And they went to President Truman, your president, and he says, do not destroy the city of Kyoto. Pick another city. We love this city. And he was so influenced by Henry Stimson that President Truman said, let's choose another city. And they chose the city of Hiroshima. And the Americans and the Allies, they dropped a bomb, the atom bomb, the first ever one, on the city of 
Hiroshima. And of the population of 320,000 people, 140,000 people died. Four days later, he dropped a bomb in Nagasaki. 73,000, 75,000 people killed. But because of one man's influence and love, the city of Kyoto was saved. I understand there's hundreds of thousands killed in other cities. We're here this morning because, you know what? We've got influence. Now, you look, I look at you today, and I know some of you look okay. But let's be honest. Some of you, God is here to help you. <laughs> and you woke up this morning, and you went to the bathroom, and you looked in the mirror. Say mirror. No, you've got to say it like the Lord told you to say it. Say mirror. You looked in the mirror. It's what the baby Jesus received, gold, frankincense, and a mirror. <laughs> say Holy Spirit. Say Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Say ashamed. You, I now pronounce you all Irish. No longer will you be German. Will you serve this woman be Irish? Okay, God bless you. We look in the mirror this morning, and we saw ourselves, and we said, oh, it's not good, is it? We don't have the hair of Pastor Aaron. We're not as thin as Pastor Kevin. Worse than that, we're not Irish. But God goes, coochie, coochie, coo, because God loves you. Oh, that's, that's Hebrew for coochie, coochie, coo. God goes like that because he loves you. Because this morning, God has decided in this place, in this time, we're going to change the destiny of a world that is lost. And he chose us. If I'd have been God, I would have chosen Ireland, but he chose America. So this morning, shake yourself. Let's see a little shake here. Look at this one. This, that's a shamrock shake. Let's have a little shake this morning. A little shake this morning. Because you have been called to change the course of history this morning. Say amen. amen. Do you understand me? Are the peace, the, the, the peace, the people in the West Campus, how are you doing? Big cheer there, the West Campus. Oh, come on. You must be German. Here's my best joke in the whole world. Where would we be without humor? Germany. <laughs> Have I offended anybody? Good. Keep coming. Keep listening. I will offend all of you before the 10 days are over. John, the book of John. Book of John. Thank you for coming out in this cold, windy, windy time and and the Green Bay Packers are going so badly. God bless you. First chapter of John, the book of John, 19. Verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but actually he confessed freely. And he says, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no, I'm not. And he finally said, he finally said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. We want to know, what do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Who are you this morning? We've already decided that some of you are cute and some of you need help. We've already decided that most of you want to be Irish. We've already decided that some of you are German and have been offended by my joke. But who are you really this morning? You are a history changer. I don't care how many times you have come forward in this by the way, what about this building? Ooh. I was here three years ago, and I spoke in the back room of Starbucks. Or it seemed likely. But in the last three years, this is, this is. I'm going bald. This is, <laughs> this is incredible. 
God bless every one of you who contribute to make this church what it is. And you have never stopped giving to missions, home and overseas. God bless you all. Who are you? John the Baptist preceded Jesus. He was around all the place, baptizing, doing all sorts of stuff. And the people kept saying to him, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you Pastor Aaron Cole? Are you an Irish leprechaun? They kept asking him who he was. And he says, no, I'm none of those. I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. My friends, let me share something with you. We don't need any more superstars. I know that I'm going to kill the Green Bay Packers here this day. I'm going to keep going until you get it. I know the Green Bay Packers need another quarterback. But who do we need? We don't need any more celebrities. We need voices crying out in the wilderness for God. That's what Wisconsin needs. That's what America needs. That's what the rest of the world needs. That's why I'm here this morning. I'm asking you in the middle of a crisis. I said to Pastor Aaron recently, for the first time in 30 years of coming to America, I finally discern a spirit of fear. For the first time ever, the greatest country in the world. Some of you are in the grip of fear. You're listening to the people who say you can't when all you said you could. You're listening to the people who said it's impossible when all you always knew it was going to be probable and definite. Why are you doing this? Are you listening to those people on the TV from 9 o'clock in the morning? There's not one functional person on American TV between 9 o'clock in the morning and noon. Your shows are weird. Do not listen to those people. They're not real. God has called you to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. And when everybody else in America says, we are not going to give out the missions anymore. We're not going to help people. Let them look after themselves. We're tired of them saying, Yankee, go home. By the way, it's only a minority. They just happen to be focal. The majority are silent, but they love you. This church has decided this weekend, the last three weeks you've been working on this, we are going to reach out and be a voice in the wilderness. I want to give you three points this morning. I'll tell you three quick stories or four quick stories. Then we're going to let you go home and watch the inevitable. <laughs> hey, I'm just a messenger. <laughs> God, you're so rude. Where's Campbell? Oh, you agree to you. Okay. Here's my first point. God can only anoint who we are. Not who we want to be. How would you think about that? What do you, who do you think you are? God can only anoint the mind of Jesus that is in you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you. How much portion of Jesus do you really have in you? How much compassion? How much sacrifice? What's your prayer life like? See, God can only bless who you are, not who you want to be. I grew up in Northern Ireland, Belfast. That's why I talk like this. That's why I'm crazy. Most Irish people are crazy. It's, just, it's our legacy. I don't know what it is. You can contradict me if you want, okay? Okay, let's move quickly along. And so most Irish people are crazy. I grew up in the middle of a war. I was brought up a Roman Catholic, but I was not a very religious person. I was a militant person. My grandfather was a gun runner, and he tried to save Ireland. He said, from the English and the Protestants. He said, we're occupied by these English people and these Protestants. Michael, you've got to do something to offend me. And when he died, I put my hand on his coffin and said, I will offend you. I will rid Ireland of Protestants and English people. Stupid thing to say, wasn't it? I didn't know the Lord. And so I got involved in a war for 12, 13 years of my life. I became a terrorist. I thought I was a freedom fighter. I was hired to be a, a, a I even hate talking about this, an assassin for four years. When I was 19, I had nine young people follow me. We made a, 
a co contract that we wouldn't live to be 30 and 10 of those, nine of those people died. Sorry, eight of those people died. Me and another guy survived. Eight out of 10 died. Trying to, trying, because I believe everybody, you know, all of us, from the moment we were born, we've got this spirit inside us. A spirit that wants to be satisfied and appeased. But the, that's why we turn to drunk and drink, drunk, drink, drink, drunk, 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 I drunk, you will drink, I will drink, drink. Cut that off the video, will you? Drink, drugs. We're trying to appease and satisfy that spirit inside us. But that spirit will never be appeased unless we have satisfied, unless we join with the spirit of the living God. I didn't know that. So I was trying to destroy my world and change my world through violence, and it didn't work. And like so many people who try, you know, if fame and fortune are the answer, then Hollywood's the most happy place in the world, but it's not. You can never change anything without God. God can only bless who you are, not who you want to be. And so I came to the end of myself. I was in the political party, standing in front of young people, saying, young people, give your lives for Ireland. Don't waste your lives. Give your lives. And they came forward, and I, but I was empty inside. And I made this decision. One day I sat at the side of my bed, and I said, I am a fraud. My life's been a, a joke. I'm in my late 20s, and I'm going to die. I said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to get killed. They'll write a song about me. Oh, Danny Boy will become O Michael Boy. I want a song. And I couldn't die like some cheap actor in some B-movie. I was seen to be impervious to death. And I became more and more disheartened. I didn't have the courage to kill myself, and I just wanted somebody to do it for me. And then Jesus Christ walked into my life through a young girl. This young girl walked up to me, good-looking girl, by the way, so it helped a little bit. And she said, you've got a problem, Michael. You need Jesus. And I went, what? And there was something about her. You see, there's something about us. We've got Jesus inside us. It attracts, see, Jesus inside us attracts people because the world, more people want to come to church than you think. More people want to be right. Everybody wants to feel clean from the inside out. I was in a bomb explosion put by my own colleagues, which I survived, obviously, because I'm standing in front of you, or else you'd be looking at no one. Excuse my humor, which you don't even understand. I'll keep moving quickly along. <laughs> if you please at least have some sympathy for me up here. I'm doing the best thing I can, okay? And she brought me to a meeting just like this. Where I saw a bunch of people just like you. <laughs> God help me. I saw people just like you. I've never been in a place like it. And he talked about Jesus and how Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. I'd seen people die and I was transfixed by that. At the end of the service, I saw a young girl healed. And I said, there's something about this. And it's like something in my life. This is what I want. And I ran forward and I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, my own personal savior. Not even understand what I was doing. And my life was changed radically. And now you see I could move on. Because Jesus is now inside me and I could change the world in a different way. And by the way, the good looking girl, when you got a face like this and a body like this, you don't get many opportunities. I married her. God, hey, hey. It was a day of miracles, let me tell you. And she's never, and by the way, she's a psychologist. That was my only regret. I married a psychologist. She thinks I've got issues. I've said this the third service. It's my last time I'm going to say this. Thank God. Aaron's heard it three times. We no longer talk to each other. He just looks at me and takes notes. <laughs> that was the best laugh I got in the three services. Thank you very much. You made it worthwhile. I'll quickly move on. And I started speaking to people and telling them about Jesus. And then I want to give you my second point. That my greatest fear in my life is not that I will fail, but I will succeed in something that doesn't matter. Think about that. 
you got one life to live. There's an urban myth in the state of Wisconsin, Mississippi, and Arkansas that you die and you resurrect as an Irish leprechaun. It's not true. It's an urban legend. We get one life to live. One chance at this, my friends. And I started telling everybody about Jesus. And I would start churches from scratch. I would go into coffee bars and talk to waitresses. And talk to, I just literally talk to people in the street, nonstop, walk around all day just talking to people, trying to... And through sheer effort, I started 11 churches. But it was so hard. And I said, there's got to be... And one day I'm in this refugee camp. And this girl comes up to me with a baby. And she actually persuaded herself in front of me. And I'm going, she says, please take my child. And give the life that I can never give it. And I had an epiphany with God. I said, Michael, there's got to be a different way. And there was an organization called Convoy of Hope in America. And I decided to do a Convoy of Hope Europe. And what we do, we preach the gospel physically, socially, and spiritually. We go into regions where nobody else will go. The worst place. We go into... <laughs> I seem to have this uh, love affair with rats. I hate rats. And everywhere we go, it's, fit. it's covered with rats. It's like God's challenging me all the time. And I kill hundreds of rats. I hate rats. We stand in front of little kids who have never trusted a man. Little girls. And I say, you can trust me. I talk to the pimps. And I say, hey, we're here to take back what the devil has stolen through you. We wash people's feet. We shampoo their hair. These are Muslims, by the way. And we feed little kids. And through sheer, sheer social and physical efforts, they come up to us at the end and they say, why are you doing this? And of course you tell them the story of the cross. 2,000 years ago on the cross at Calvary, Jesus Christ defeated the devil. He was crucified, he was buried. But on the third day, a light shone from an empty tomb. And Jesus says, I have risen and greater things will you do. And you tell them the story of the cross. And they come to the Lord in their hundreds, if not their thousands. And over the last 10 years, We've been in 37 countries, 27 languages, and by European standards, this is incredible. Started 41 churches, most of them Muslim churches, and reached hundreds of thousands of people because, you see, the world needs the love that we have. And you see, I don't want to spend my life in something that's totally irrelevant. I want to give my life for something that's important. And I want to give my life for the cause of the cross. The last point, there's two more stories, which I'm not finished with you by a long way. God doesn't reveal his will for deliberation, but for participation. Oh, do you want us like to stand in this church this morning, this beautiful, beautiful sanctuary with a man like Aaron and his beautiful wife, Tammy, who've got a vision of God, with people like you who will give a simple Irish man like me a hearing. See, I just want to do the best that I can. I'm tired of the sickness in this world. That's one of the things that really troubles me is the greatest sin in Europe today and probably the world today is the thing with traffic women. I have two daughters and a beautiful grandson of nine. My grandson's name, by the way, is Angelus Manuel Diego McNamee. Isn't that some name? I'm ashamed. He sounds like a Hispanic Irish man. He's beautiful. He's nine years of age. You've got a nine-year-old daughter and you've got money. We're interested. I quickly move on because you haven't a clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> West Campus, you too. Okay, God bless you. And so I, it really bothers me. Last year, 
No, this year actually it was, I think it was March, Pastor Aaron and I had the privilege in our lives. He travels all over, so do I. We went to Madrid, Spain. And I know there are young people here. I always put a, I, always, I want you to hang in here with me for a couple of minutes. This is the crux of my sermon. Spain has 55 million people, 400,000 prostitutes, 750,000 men every day of the year go to a prostitute in the country of Spain. Here's my best one-liner of my week. Men, look at me right now. It's going to be uncomfortable for some of you. We as men are called to be protectors, not predators. Men, be a man of God. The last 2,000 women in Madrid, Spain, from Spain who have tried for political asylum, traffic women get help from the government have been turned down. It's the worst law in any country in Europe. Spain doesn't care for them. And so we went to this place with a Scottish woman married to an American uh, Spanish minister. And she started this halfway house for traffic women. And I've been in many of them. She works for the government. She works for the police. They bring them in, you know. And they, the police don't put them in a cell for 90 days. They're not allowed to change clothes. No toiletries, nothing. It's scandalous. And she has this halfway house. And Aaron and I had the privilege to go there and speak to these girls. It was a privilege. I cried. He cried. I cried. They wanted to hear us. Then they asked us. They, we heard their testimonies. I've reached the point in my life where I am totally unashamedly will lay a prostrate in this platform and I will cry unto you to help me. I can't go anywhere else. This girl was tied to a basement in Barcelona for three years, chained, forced to have intimacy with strangers every 30 minutes. I wept. I wanted, I, I, I just, I wanted to go outside and shoot somebody. I mean, I want to shoot myself. I just, I just, I, I, I literally couldn't take it anymore. And then she said to Aaron and I, can you give me a hug? I and Aaron, we, we, we had the privilege of hugging a girl who had gone through hell in her life, unimaginable hell. And we had the privilege, why me? to hug her and she says be careful and she turned around and both her shoulder blades were dislocated or broken or something and I remember saying Jesus I remember saying God I want to help these people and I turned to Aaron and I said Aaron we've got to do something here and I want to thank you this morning that we're 90% of the money to support that traffic women's home comes from Life Church, Germantown, Wisconsin. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I do not have words to express my gratitude to you guys. But as we sit here this morning, there are women, and here's the best point of all. Her son is a lawyer, just passed the bar exam. 25, one of the sharpest young men you've ever seen in his life. And he and his teacher have formed a, a law firm and are trying to write a law which if it's passed in three to five years will give amnesty. 
and help traffic women in Spain. So not only just helping them on a daily basis. But this church is changing the history of a filed sin in Spain. And I want to say thank you. I want to do more in my life. I stand every day and I listen to these little kids. And I know it's all over the world. We feed, we clothe, we put them in school. We protect them. I was in Sarajevo, Bosnia. What a privilege I have to go to places like this. Sarajevo, Bosnia was a place of the ethnic cleansing. 1992 to 1996, 250,000 people killed each other. Neighbors killed neighbors. Brother killed brother. While the world looked on, out of 4.2 million people, 250,000 people died. The, the snipers around the city of Bosnia would say, let's go into Bosnia today. Let's go into Sarajevo today, sorry. And kill some pregnant women. Let's kill some blonde girls. And let's kill some kids. And we'll get together tonight see how many you killed, see how many I killed. And there are 14 evangelical churches there. The largest is 40. We work with them in Sarajevo. Pastor Sasa in Sarajevo. And you see, I wish I was talented. I wish I was more articulate this morning to explain to you. I, I, I apologize for my emotional mess. I feel I've ever got one shot at this. I just love people. I used to despise people and I love them. Because God loved me in my darkest hour. And so when I'm on a team, I just kind of walk around trying to do Irish with them, you know, hey, just like you, they think I'm weird. I'm walking past this mosque, it was the Feast of Ramadan, there was 10,000 people in that mosque, in the center of Sarajevo. Sarajevo is where the Second World War started, as the Balkans go, so does the rest of the world. And this, I just try to draw people's attention, the hope eventually they'll speak to me and they speak English or French or Portuguese and I can communicate with them. And this girl kind of noticed me, she was sitting on the front of the, of the mosque and I just kept trying to draw her attention, which was stupid because she's a single young Muslim girl and I'm an old married man from Ireland, so we shouldn't have no communication. On the penultimate day, I was walking through the square. Just, I saw her and I went, and to my amazement, she jumped up from the veranda and she jumped down and she ran towards me screaming in English. I couldn't understand what she was saying. And when she approximated me about five feet away, she was waving something in her hand and I found out it was a Quran. And she says, you need this. You need this. I've been watching you. You need to read this. This is your answer for your life. I was transfixed because everybody in the square was looking at her. And I looked over her left shoulder. And pandemonium had broken out on the pulpit in the, in the mosque and the veranda. And men were running in and out looking and they were pointing at me. And these two guys jumped down and started running towards me and the girl. who's screaming at me, read this, read this. She's broken every culture, every taboo of the Muslim religion. And they grab a hold of her and they grabbed her and they're screaming at her in Bosnia. They're screaming at me and they're dragging her away and I'm just standing. It's a nightmare. And as she was been dragged away, she broke free. And she says, read this. And she threw her Quran. Now that for them is bad. You don't do that. And it's spelled in the air, this Quran. And it's standing in front of me a couple of feet. 
And she screamed, greeted, and they dragged her away. I walked slowly out of the place. I've been back in Sarajevo three times. I'm not trying to melodramatize this, but it's true. I stand in the square and I look around at the mosque. And I think about her. Is she dead? There's a strong possibility. Was she beaten up? Probably definitely. Is she locked up in some home somewhere? I hope, even though it sounds bad, it's better than the first option. But she was so definite that what she had was right. That she was willing to go against everything that her culture and her religion stood for to reach out to me. Oh, the analogy is so clear this morning. In one minute and 20 odd seconds, we're going to ask you to do something. All right, it's going to help my ministry through me. You're going to help me feed little kids in Montenegro, Macedonia, Romania, Albania, Bosnia, Serbia, Croatia. We're going to help some traffic women. We help 12,000 Syrian refugees in Amman, Jordan every single day. And the church women go around talking to the Syrian refugees who've gone through the Holocaust and they're leading them to the Lord. Your desire in life will determine your destiny. But this is bigger than this right now. Listen to me. This morning, what you do in this one day to feed the world offering will determine their destiny. It is not a game. God can only anoint who you are, not who you want to be. And I close with this. Despite what the media says, despite what the world might think, the star-spangled banner still flies as a testimony to people like me that America still cares. God bless you and God bless America. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Our emotions are challenged. But it's more than that. We want to do something, Lord God. Your will is calls not just for deliberation, but participation. Help us this morning, I pray. Beyond the emotional, beyond the temporary emotional experience that, Lord God, we would leave us this afternoon. Help us to do what you want us to do. And a world awaits our response. Thank you, Jesus.